If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. If this is the first time tuning into the show, welcome to another episode of Ant Security for All. I hope everyone had a great week. We um, had another great week at FutureCon. Um, again, I am the CEO of FutureCon. We host cybersecurity conferences all around North America, if you don't know that. I just got home early this morning. And when I say this morning, it's like 1 a.m. from uh, Washington, D.C., we had another amazing event. We haven't we hadn't been back to Washington D.C. since before COVID, so it was nice being out there. We had amazing speakers, attendees, sponsors at that show yesterday. Um, we one thing that was really noticeably different is we had a really great amount of representation of women in cyber at that event. I started putting on these type of events a few decades ago. And in the beginning, we were lucky to maybe have one or two women in the audience. And it's certainly growing, but not as quick as you would think after 20 plus years. But um, it was nice yesterday in D.C. to see just a diverse group of attendees and especially the women that were there. We had two of our chief information security officers on our panel yesterday, and they are such great role models in the industry for young girls who have no interest in STEM. But if they met the two of our CISOs yesterday, I think they would actually take a look at how the cyber industry can really be an amazing industry to work in. One of our uh, CISOs was Anne-Marie Zaltmoyer, and she it looks like she just walked off the fashion runway, but she is amazing. She is the moderator of our panel. She's been a keynote speaker on one of our virtual events, and she is just a go-getter. She's super intelligent and just passionate about um, cybersecurity. So um, definitely, if you don't know her, you should go check her out on LinkedIn. And... Um, She's the CISO at SciCognito. Uh, and then we also had another rock star CISO, Alicia Lynch. Um, she is from uh, Cognizant, and she's the CISO over there, but she spent 30 years in the Army as a colonel and now is CISO, and she's just a force to be reckoned with. Um, if you know anyone young that's looking for the direction and or they don't have a direction, they should go check out these two women on LinkedIn. They're just definitely a role model for our future of women in cyber. I also, what was really nice is met a young lady yesterday who's an engineer from Lockheed Martin, and she still participates in pageants. And... Um, I And she said that when she's at her pageants, all the other girls that she's running up against are so surprised that she's an engineer at Lockheed Martin. So she tries to be a role model for high schools in the STEM, um, just trying to push people to go into STEM and just making, you know, showing these young girls that it is a fun industry and there is quite a lot of money that is to be made in our industry. So I really hope that I can send you to see the growth of young women um, coming into this industry. 
I really have the best job and I'm so lucky to meet all kinds of different people all over the country in our industry. And of course, we had some amazing men on the panel yesterday. It was just a really great show. You can catch any of our keynote speakers and any of our past um, panelists if you go to the FutureCon YouTube channel. That's a great way to just get some insight for these industry leaders that we are so lucky that get to um, come to our events. Um, from time to time, again, um, uh, well, from time to time, I have my guest. Um, he is our my host. He hosts from time to time for me. And I met him at one of our events, actually a virtual event, Jonathan Kimmett, who is a former CISO of the University of Tulsa. And now he's transitioned into the CISO at alias InfoSec. And today we're going to talk about the transition role of a CISO. I find it so fascinating when a CISO leaves the business side of this role and goes over to the vendor side. And how does that dynamic change when now with your current peers, when you were on the business side, now you're on the other side as a vendor. So I'm really interested to talk to Jonathan. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks, Kim. I appreciate that. Um, it, it is different. It is very different from you know moving from where I was at to what I do now. It's not so different in terms of the work I do, uh, but the the mindset is very different, and uh, some of it is very refreshing. It's uh, it's just uh, new to me, uh, and sometimes you kind of get I don't want to say burnt out because that's not the right word, but you kind of get used to something, and it's just part of who you are, and then all of a sudden it's different, and it's it's. Uh, refreshing it's exciting it's it's fun so i've i've had a lot of fun in my new position i'm really excited about it well before we jump into your new position how when you were over at the university of tulsa first of all how long were you there oh a long time so my actual numbers are i was there as a full-time employee for 22 years wow um, and i was CISO for Almost nine. I wanted. I, I had to go do the numbers, but I think it's almost nine years as CISO um, and then part of the computer security response team for fifteen to sixteen years. So I had been doing security over there for a very long time. I'd been there for a long time. Now I had done other stuff, you know, outside consulting and a few other things. But yeah, twenty-two years. I was a full-time employee. So tell me what. Tell me like what you've seen with the transition from you know, women or young, young ladies, you know, going to school and um, from 20 years to now, you know, what ratios are you seeing? Honestly, I, from a incoming freshman point of view, and I don't know the full numbers, um, you know, there is numbers, they keep track of those numbers, you know, they would have them in different reports and various things that they would uh, put out to the university. Um, I saw a lot more women than men um, in terms of my interactions. It, it was really interesting in that I can't explain why. Um, you know, anecdotal evidence maybe, but the uh, we had at the university we always had a very strong element of um, young women who were coming in as incoming freshmen and carried on through. You know, we had great programs, and honestly, I they were in all different um, degree programs. You know, it wasn't that they were in one particular degree program or they liked one. It was everything. They were all over the the, uh, the campus in terms of the programs. And uh, I had two SOC analysts um, who were women. And uh, trying to think, I probably had 
over the years who worked in the help desk was so when I managed the help desk side, you know, my early career, I probably had 70% women that were working at the help desk. That that's really fascinating to me because we still, when you um, look out into the audience, you know, of, you know, if, if we have 150 to 200 people sitting in our audience, there's still only a 20% of women yeah. sitting in the audience. I mean, so. I could, I could, I would agree with that because when I, you know, I go to all the conferences around here and I speak at a lot of them, um, there's not a lot of women. It's more, um, in fact, some of the best questions. So the most recent uh, presentation I did was social engineering your career. So you take the concepts that we do in social engineering and, uh, and pen testing and such, um, and you do the same process in getting a job, you know, doing your interview, doing your first interview, things like that. Um, and I probably had, I don't know, maybe 40% of the women, 40% of my audience was women. Uh, but I engaged more with them. They asked more questions. Uh, we had a great conversation. There was several over here on the left that I remember that uh, we had a great conversation about some of the tactics that we were using, that I was using in the, in the, in the demonstration. Um, and in fact, I remember, uh, you know, George Feeney, um, mm -hmm. and he, uh, he was actually up the following conference um, up here in, Oklahoma City. And he and I were standing outside. We were talking the first time we had ever met in person. So we were talking about, you know, his paintings and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, these two young women came up and, you know, I was like, you were the one doing that social engineering. I told you, you need to go what? And it was just, it was a lot of fun. And he was looking at me like, you were social engineering, what? And so we were having a good time with that. But um, I, I would say that you know, I'm starting to see a lot more women in the conferences. Um, it is still a lot of men. Um, there's a lot of men in it, a lot of young men. Um, and uh, it is it is nice when we have like our keynotes and we have our speakers and we have people that come in and, and, they're, and they're women. And so the young women in the audience were like, yes, that I, I can relate to her. You know, I, I understand. And, you know, I know that she's going through the things that, I want to do. I mean, I want to be a CISO. I want to be this person. So, um, you know, one of my students that I had on the show here uh, back last year. Yeah, I remember her. Yep. Um, I had her, or I didn't have her. She she wanted to present at B-Sides. So I called up, you know, my the friends that I have who were on the board. And I was like, hey, I've got some students who want to present can they present? And she submitted her paperwork, did all of that. And she did great. Um, and I don't know if that was her first time presenting in a large conference. I think it was, um, but they loved her. You know, she did great. It was a great content. It's a great presentation. Um, so I was really thankful that she did that. Of course, right after that, I pulled her in her office and we all did the round table. We had the suits that day. Um, so it was a great experience. I think that there are more women coming into the industry. Um, and the conferences that we have, you know, we have a couple of very large conferences, a bunch of small conferences. I'm starting to see a lot more mix. It, there's still a lot of men. There's still a lot of, you know, um, in terms of proportion, but it, it's, it's changing. Well, um, Trent Bunnell, who is a friend of our shows and who has sat on our panels, he's the ISSO over at um, SAIC. Um, he said, um, well, thanks for tuning in today, Trent. And he said, diversity is the field, leads to cyber diversity, which leads to a safer environment. And, you know, Trent, um, Alicia Lynch, she came from SAIC 
and uh, and then she went over to uh, Cognizant. But um, she's she's he he's military. He does a lot for the veterans. So um, kudos to Trent for everything he's doing with veterans and helping the veterans out there. So um, so yeah, but he is right. Diversity. We have to be diverse to have a safer space because it's just. It just can't be, you know, we can't be pegged into a hole. Right. That's, that's how we're, you know, that's where these breaches are is when people think, oh, the cyber people will fix everything and do everything. We hope it's all be one big team. Right. Absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit. So what made, what was the big, you know, what made your decision to leave the University of Tulsa after being there for such a long time? And now you're over on, tell us about the new company you're with and what you're doing and yeah. how that all happened and how that decision came about without getting too personal. Sure. Um, well, it wasn't actually a decision to leave the university. I mean, I wasn't looking. It wasn't anything that you know I was intending to do. Um, the CEO of Alias, uh, Donovan, he reached out to me. Um, around the Thanksgiving uh, time frame and he basically says hey I've uh, I, I want I want to do these things you know I want the I've got these customers that we need help on in terms of some compliance some privacy some data security and he knew me I knew Donovan I knew him um, from conferences I had worked with him you know I had worked with the company before and so he when he reached out and says hey come and come and help us do some good things and I, I I couldn't say no. I mean, it was it was. I, I don't I, I don't want to say it like he said all the right words, but it was. He came in with such an energy, and the team is so great, and the opportunity was great in terms of helping people. That um, I uh, talked to my wife, and we said this is a great opportunity for my career, and I get to help a lot of people, and it's uh, it's something I know how to do, and it's something that. Uh, I enjoy doing. So that's, it was really quite simple. I mean, it was, he called me up and he says, Hey, I need help to doing these things. I said, okay, let me come and help you. Well, congratulations on your career change. Thank but, you. Um, I have, you know, I have a pretty big, large pool of, um, because as I said, I'm fortunate to be able to meet so many people around the country. And I have over the years seen many people like you that go from the business side over to the vendor side. And I was kind of joking with a few of my vendors um, just two days ago in DC and we were talking about CISOs and I'm very fortunate that I'm not trying to sell them anything. So they're just my friends. So it's right. great. But I was kind of laughing, no offense to any CISOs out there, but the CISOs I feel like in the cyber world are like the, the, the real housewives, you know, uh, uh, of the cyber world. Cause everybody caters to them and they get the red carpet treatment right. anywhere they go. So how does it, you know, and then I watch some CISOs that now they're not on that side anymore. And now they're on the other, the coin has flipped. Yep. And are you feeling, what changes are you feeling from the flip of that coin? You know, I think I'm very fortunate because I'm still doing the same kind of job. You know, I'm still being a CISO. I'm, uh, I'm doing VCSO work to an extent, policy review, compliance, those things. And those are the things I love doing. You know, a lot of a lot of CISOs don't like getting into policies and procedures. They don't like getting into vendor contracts. They don't like looking at the, the rules and guidelines of compliance. And I do. So, and that was one of the things that Donovan wanted me to come in and do. And that's what I've been doing. So I'm still doing the same job. Now, as it relates to 
my interactions with, you know, everybody else. Um, I, you know, I'm very fortunate because I've, I've been in the community a long time. I've been in the industry a long time. So people still know me. I can still call on people and say, Hey, I need help with this. Or, you know, what's your, you know, I, I called up a guy yesterday. Um, Oh, I probably haven't talked to him in six months or so, but I called him up and says, Hey, you did this thing for one of our clients. I need, I, I have some questions about it cause I'm helping them. Um, and we just got into this conversation, you know, we, uh, just kind of the old time. So nothing has really changed in terms of the interaction in the industry so far uh, from a vendor perspective, I'm getting a lot more people reaching out, um, seeing my title on LinkedIn, assuming, making some assumptions about things. Um, so it, it is different there. I mean, I was always used on the CISO side at the university that vendors will reach out. They'll give me a sales pitch. They'll do all kinds of stuff, which ask me about sales pitches later because I have an interesting story on that. Um, but they'll, they'll give me a sales pitch. They'll try to get in. They'll try to get into my organization. And a lot of times as a university, I didn't have any money. So I was like, oh, I, I appreciate your product. I can't afford it. Uh-huh. Um, so now I'm kind of on that other side where I'm, I'm reaching into clients, but it's a different kind of client because I don't I don't talk to vendors per se. I'm I'm talking to our clients and our individuals who need help with policies, procedures, compliance, incident response, you know, all these different things. And so I'm doing kind of what I used to do at TU, just on a larger scale with a lot more clients. So that still keeps me in that realm of providing those services to those clients and still needing the services from the vendor. So when we have you know, my job is if I see a solution or a client needs a solution, I will still help them go out and provide, you know, find a vendor that will help, you know, whether that's, you know, something that Alias does um, or if it's not something that Alias does or we don't have a partner that does that, then I'm, I'll go out and find another vendor for them. So I'll still help. In fact, I was just on a call just a few minutes ago um, with a, uh, it, it was the sock vendor and I, I kind of took over the call, uh, not intentionally, just I was able to grab the information and get it to them quickly and start asking them a whole bunch of questions because this organization, which I'm at right now, doesn't have a CISO. They don't have somebody to be that voice for them to those security professionals out there that they're working with and these vendors. So I'm still able to be that person. So it's, it's kind of a mix. I still see the sales side more now because I am you know, in an alias or in, in a um, an organization that does that, but I still think it's a very fortunate situation where I still get to go out and help people more directly. So I don't get to see that pure sales side. Well, and, um, just to backtrack a little bit, I don't want any CISOs getting mad at me because you guys do (laughs) deserve the red carpet because of (laughs) the weight that they carry, you know, the weight you guys carry, you know, you carry the weight of the world, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's your job to, you know, yeah. To be the, and, the, the voice yeah. of let's not have no breaches today, you know. And, and, I, that, yeah. and I'll tell you, going to events like yours, and there's a lot of events, going to, you know, the conferences that I go to and I speak, um, they are so much fun because it's not, I'm not having to deal with the problems I am in my daily life. So I get to go out and it's fun. People are interesting, you know, to talk to and we really get to do some um I get to be around peers. I guess that's really the big thing. I get to be around other people, other people who know the problems that I'm running into and I get to help them. They get to help me. So I, 
that's a lot of benefit of like the events that you have is I get to meet people. I get to see people and talk with people that they're in the same role and, you know, we are treated well. And I, I, I fully admit that. And I, I don't ever want to take advantage of that, but it is nice once in a while just to get away from it all. No incident response to deal with that day. No problems to deal with. I just go and have a good time with like-minded people. And it's interesting. We just recently at our events changed our name badges where we had the people's title now. We I don't know why we weren't doing that for so many years. And I am so happy now we have the title because it does it does create more of a conversation for me. For me, it's super helpful to see. Yeah. And I'm sure for the vendors it's helpful too. Sure. Especially when they see CISO on their title. Sure. But but it just goes back to show you that before those titles were there, everyone kind of was an equal, you yeah. know, like but I think it's also important for everyone to know what everyone is doing, yep. Yep. you know? So, um, and, and speaking of that, and, and maybe we can go into your sales pitch you were talking about is, you know, one of the things I do at the end of our panel shows is I always ask our CISOs, you know, how are these vendors, you know, that are here in this room? And of course I give them accolades for sponsoring our show. But um, as you said, the vendor room is very scary, yeah. you know, and you can tell our audience why that is to you. And I find that before you, you answer that, we do, we play this game and it's just a bingo game that our attendees have to go around and get the initials of the vendors. And our vendors give away amazing. Like yesterday, there was like a $250, $250 bottle of scotch. There was a Nintendo Switch. There was some Legos that were like worth $200. Yeah. There's all kinds of things. But our CISOs are not playing that game. Uh -uh. They will not participate in it. So no. tell me why that is and why it's scary and how you're, if you have any insight on how we can get the CISOs to go talk to the vendors. Um, I, it is scary. I will tell you that. I think every, now they may not say it's scary, but what they're going to say is they don't want to do it. Um, CISOs, you know, like I said earlier, the reason why we go to those events is because we want to be around like-minded people. We want to engage. We want to talk, see the presentations and see how things are, you know, happening in the industry and in the community. If I, okay, I want to talk about me personally because I don't want to put any generalizations on anybody. But if I am going to go to the vendor floor, I'm going to go for two reasons. Number one, I'm going to go find people that I know. So I, I've been around a long time. I know a lot of the vendors, and I want to see them. I, I want to shake their hand, see how they're doing, see how their family is. The other reason is if I'm looking for something specific. So there is a particular problem I'm trying to solve, and I want to go meet that particular vendor. Um, now, we all know, and this is, again, I don't want to, I don't want to make any vendors mad, um, but... I will not sign up on web pages with my real email, especially if I'm trying to get information. You know, number one, it's a it's a PII or a uh, um, a privacy thing. But uh, but I know that sometimes when I sign up for it, I am immediately going to get calls and emails and all kinds of stuff. So I am very hesitant. So if I'm looking for something very specific, I will do whatever I can to get as much information I can about it before I reach out to someone. So if I'm going to a conference um, and I'm going to go to the vendor floor, uh, like I said, the two, either I'm trying to find somebody I know and you know that I interact with already, or I want to know I need to go look at that vendor's product to go ask them questions. 
But I will say this. Generally, I don't want a sales pitch. I have already looked at the product. I have already, I'm already processing in my brain how I can use that product, how I can afford it. I've gone on the internet, see what other people have paid or what I think they have paid. So I'm, I'm trying to put that in my budget. I want to go talk to an engineer. Um, nothing. I don't want to say anything bad about sales guys because I've got some really good friends that are sales guys. But if I'm going for that product, I really want to talk to, hey, guys, I need to know how this is going to work in this product and this and this and this and this and this, or you know, kind of roll that. And generally, what they're going to tell me is like, hey, let's set up a call, which I understand completely because they don't want to get tied up with one person for a very long time and miss out a lot of things. But I'm still hesitant on that uh, because I don't want them to think I'm making an assumption that I'm going to buy it because I may not be able to afford it, but I still need to make the case. So it's really hard. It, it's when I go into the floor, there's an art. Um, and uh, so my CEO keeps telling me to, uh, it, that he wants to know my opinion on things because I've still got that old CISO mindset from a university. So not that CISO from a sales side. Uh, so we talk about that often. And one of the things that you talk about is, what is my mindset on this issue or on this thing or this event or this marketing campaign or whatever? Um, so when you ask me, what am I going to do when I go to the vendor floor? Um, I don't look anybody in the eye because it seems like they'll attack you. Uh, I, I will try to get the map and know, make the shortest route to that vendor that I want to go see. Uh, because I don't want to make the rounds because the more you make the rounds, the more you're going to get caught. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you nowadays, a lot more people are hesitant on shaking hands because of COVID and various other things. They'll still do it, but it is such a normal response to just reach out and shake someone's hand. You don't even think about it. And people are still hesitant on that. So you kind of feel bad because I'll reach out and shake someone's hand. So it's, it's kind of unnerving. Um, now that said, it's still part of the process and we do it. And, and, and a lot of people may not have put those words to that experience like I just did. Um, it's not that I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm just putting emphasis on it where it's there. It's, uh, it's hard. Um, there are times I go to a conference and I refuse to go onto the vendor floor. Um, it's just, I look at it and I kind of wave and I walk on by. Um, and I know, and, and here's the thing, I feel bad because the vendors are the ones supporting the event. When a vendor comes to my presentations and they come up to me, after, I, I'll talk to them for 20, 30 minutes. That doesn't bother me a bit. So I don't mind talking to the vendors. I don't mind engaging them. It's just overwhelming on that floor sometimes. So catch them in the hallway. Then when they come to my event, I'm very honored when they come and see me speak when I'm doing my presentation. So, uh, you know, they're always very, you know, nice and, you know, say, hey, great presentation, whatever. And I love talking to them on that stuff. So that's that's a lot of fun. But that vendor floor is scary. Um, now, funny. I'm not... Other people may not think the same way I do, um, so just take it with a grain of salt. I think 80% of the, the CISOs do think it that way. There are 20% of them that are in there. They love to chat. They're yep. there. And one thing I've noticed this year with FutureCon is we have a lot of new companies and a, not, a lot of new logos, you know, representing our events that, you know, I'm... I, 
you know, I'm happy that our CISOs will go find out about the new the new yeah. guys out there. Yeah. The new guys are usually bought up by the big guys yeah. eventually, yeah. you know, but that is that's why they do our shows is yeah. to get, you know, known their name out there. So, well, um, you know, and the other thing is, uh, and I've always made a point to do this. So when I was program director for ISSA, I would always, you know, I would have vendors come in and speak and do uh, presentations and such. I always made it a point to go see them on the vendor floor because they were people I knew. I mean, I had interacted with them. But number one, to say thank you. Uh, to, to show my appreciation that they were speaking to our chapter, uh, but also to um, to show that respect that they gave into our community, they gave into our industry. I wanted to give back to them, um, so I always made it a point that if they did that presentation, if they were part of our community and part of our you know industry, you know even if it's a larger industry. I wanted to provide that back to them. I wanted to show that respect that they gave us. So I've had vendors who they were not part of the community. They were not part of the industry. They, they sold to us, but they weren't there. They weren't in doing presentations and providing services to people in terms of, you know, hey, we're here to help you in the industry, not just sell you a product. Um, I honestly did not, I, I, I did not, um, uh, well, I don't know how to say that right, but I always made it a point for those people who were engaged to show them a respect back for those or those uh, industries that did not. So here's a perfect example. Um, our B-Sides event, which is a generally a free event, you know, for people who are coming in. It's great for students. It's great for people who are learning or getting into it. Uh, we've had some vendors who have refused to have a table at B-Sides. Um, or show up at all. I mean, I I don't want I don't care if they necessarily you know do the sponsorship. I want them to. I want to support B sides, but if they don't buy, but they're there. They're doing presentations. They're giving back to the community. I will give them time. I will give them credit for that. I'll give show them the respect that they're giving to the industry. If they refuse to do that, I I I don't usually interact with them all that much. Um, and, and I know that sounds kind of petty, but. It's I for me responding to the industry. It's like uh, I think I told you before. You know, for the the people who are on your show, if I if I come across them, I'll reach out to them. Or if I'm in the chat, I love talking to them. You know, number one to thank them for being on the show with you, but also because I do want to know more because they're providing back to our industry and they're helping us get better as it relates to our cybersecurity. Well, it's um. Interesting when I do ask that question to the CISOs on the panel, you know, what can our, what should our sponsors do, you know, to get in front of you? And usually the CISOs will just talk about the negative things that are happening to them. Like Sajit from the CISO from 7-Eleven, he's like, you know, kind of know our product and what we do. Don't ask me, um, do you do more than $10 million a year on the right. CISO of 7-Eleven? That maybe one store does that much. And right. the other big thing I've been hearing a lot, and I think, wow, I, I was a salesperson for a long time. And in, in a way, still, there is that big part of me that sales because we are, you know, selling sponsorship yep. at our events. But yep. the to have the audacity to just put a calendar invite on a CISO's calendar. Oh, happens all the time. That is crazy to me that all they would do the that. Time. Yep. Like like and and that, and all you're doing is that CISO is never going to talk to you. You you've just no. lost your credibility ever. 
and yeah. maybe not even you, the whole company you're representing. Yeah. So um, no, there, I've seen some tactics that are pretty. I've seen some really good tactics. I've, in fact, uh, so you know, being in the the where I'm at right now, we do have salespeople, we have business development people, and I love them. To, you know, I love working with them, and they're a lot of fun. And so we sit down and we talk, and we and we we chat about what. Um, what tactics would work and what wouldn't. And I talked to the marketing people and it's like, I, yeah, I wouldn't respond to that, 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 that thing that doesn't affect me at all in any way, shape or form. Uh, so it's really fun to talk to them, but there are some really bad tactics that they try out there. And then there are some that are really good. Um, I had one guy, uh, this was several years ago who, uh, yeah, he sent a cold email. And he says, hey, such and such, you know, here's who we are. This is what we'd like to do. Can we set up a 15-minute call? Well, I get those 100 times a day, or at least I did in my old job. Um, and I just wouldn't respond to all of them. Sometimes they'd get in junk. Sometimes they'd come through. But I would see them. Well, this guy, um, he, he had a whole conversation back and forth one way, but it was, he was answering me as if I had been asking questions <laughs> of him. And it went on for like seven or eight, and it was highly amusing. And I, I couldn't help myself at the end, you know. I mean, we again, he has this whole conversation with himself as if I was asking questions. And I finally responded to him. I was like, hey, I'm not interested. This is not something that my company would ever use just because of the type of what it was. Um, but this tactic was really funny. I do appreciate that. I wanted to give you some feedback on that. You as a sales guy, I would I would like talking to, but the product is not something I can use. It's just not. I don't want to waste your time. So he replied back and says, "Hey, thanks for the feedback. I really appreciate it." Um, he was just having fun, you know, just trying to get my attention, and and it worked. And that particular piece worked. I've had some other ones that um, I've had other ones that were just flat rude. You know, if I didn't respond because I haven't been responding to my email in two days, I've been on site. Um, and I'm not saying anybody did this, but I've had it to where I haven't responded and they were like mad. They were mad. It's like, you've wasted my time of emailing you and you haven't responded. Oh yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm not ever going to interact with that company ever again. It's not even that person is that company because if that's the person they've hired to be their front face as a CISO, I don't want to deal with it, nor would I want anybody, um, you know, any of my staff doing that. Um, but now I would say not all vendors are like that. There are some really good ones and I've got some really good that I love when I go in there, I find them out, I shake their hand, you know, we have a good, you know, and there are some that I know I can call if I get into a bind and hire them to come and help me because they're good. They do, they, they, they have good products. They are good, good engineers. They have good salespeople. I just don't need that service right now. Yeah, I as the CEO of FutureCon, I get so many sales uh, emails and calls, and it nothing is worse when you know. Unfortunately, like we're a small company and we have a virtual office that our mail and our phones go to. Well, when those phone calls they they are forwarded to my cell phone. Right. So a lot of times I have to take it because it could be a vendor, it could be sure. a speaker. And sure. it just annoys me so bad when it's just some of the right off the bat tries to sell me something. And I might be yeah. in a conference call and I'm like, 
And and I yeah. and I'm trying not to be rude, but you almost just have to be rude because it's so yeah. inappropriate. I'm like, you cannot just call me. You have to try to make an appointment with me. And then the emails. I've had those emails where they're yep. like, trying to get to the back of your the top of your inbox, you know, yep. and or or they want me to respond. Click. Tell me one if you're interested. One, two, two yep, yep. No, I'm like just delete, <laughs> delete, delete. Oh, you know? I've added some, so they give me like one, two, three, four. I add like five and six, and I select that. And I, I've had a little fun with that, just because you might as well. If, you know, you gotta have to have fun sometimes. Um, but I've 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 gotten that, and I've added stuff, and I've replied back, and they've kind of laughed. Um, I'll tell you one experience I had. This was twenty. 26, 27 years ago. I don't know. It's been a long time. I got called early in the morning one day. Uh, I was still asleep. I got a call. I, I answered the phone and it was this person trying to sell me. Uh, it was a publication of some kind. Now, 25 years ago, the internet was very different, but it was trying to sell me a publication. Well, I started asking questions. You know, now, I'm half asleep, by the way. I started asking questions about the company, about what they're doing, and they, uh, um, about 10 minutes later, she starts screaming at me over the phone saying I was wasting her time. <laughs> and I'm, I, by this time I'm awake or mostly awake. And I'm like, I'm looking at the phones like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess that um, click. <laughs> and I went back to sleep. Um, and, and those sorts of things happen. Now, what I, well, I will say is what I find when you have experienced salespeople, who are in the industry, who've been in the industry for a long time. It's a very different experience than those new salespeople that may have come from a different industry. Maybe they've come in from a different uh, a sales type position somewhere and they're coming in, they don't know a lot. Uh, we were at a, we were at an event. I was at an event. It was a CISO event and we were in this and there was a presenter up there that was a sales guy. And, uh, it was bad. They should not have put him in that presentation. And all the CISOs in the room, one would ask a question and it would start snowballing. And about halfway through the questions, he was just done. I mean, he, he was so flustered. He couldn't answer any of the questions. It was a pretty serious topic in terms of, a, of, of an industry. You know, if, if an organization had used that product, and we weren't trying to pick on him per se, but we did have questions. And one question led to another and led to another. Well, he got really, really flustered. Well, presentation was over. It was like a 35-minute presentation, and he was over. And he came up to me afterward because I was kind of in the corner. And he goes, listen, you asked some really good questions. I can't answer them, but I would love to talk to you later about these, and I'll get an engineer on the phone. And, and so I, I wanted to talk with him a little bit and I asked him, I was like, where did you come from? And we're, we're not, where did you come from? But where did you come from in terms of the industry? Cause you are not cybersecurity. And he told me, and he was some sales rep for, I don't know, a vending machine or something like that. It's like, how did you get into a cybersecurity sales job? He goes, I, they, they put out a thing and they hired me. And so they, they, you know, kind of put me in the middle of this and that's really dangerous. Uh, not dangerous in terms of harm or anything, but you put an inexperienced sales guy in front of a bunch of CISOs on a technical um, um, tool, a tool that does some technical things. We're going to ask questions. 
And when we see, I, and I hate to say it like this, but it's kind of like sharks in, with blood. You know, it's like, oh, he doesn't really know what he's talking about. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And they can't answer it. Well, that has turned us off of that entire company. Maybe not. Okay, I don't want to speak for other seasons. It's turned me off of that company because they have not put forth a somebody who knows the product, who knows the industry and knows how to answer and talk to other CISOs. You know, I, I won't throw the company's name out. I know my team behind the scenes. We, we probably know who you're talking about because they've been a vendor at many of our events and they're not doing any events this year. And they're known for throwing in young, good looking people yeah. that are young but have no idea what they're talking about. And yeah. we have gotten on them so much. We cannot have these people. This is, you know, our attendees will get up and leave, you know, oh, yeah. and, yeah. and they just won't listen to us. And they, they try to trick us, you know, and they, and they throw this person in at the last minute. And um, they're inquiring now. I haven't told my team this about doing a bunch of events. And it's almost like, I just would rather turn the money away than yeah. have them come because it's just not good representation of our events. Yeah, so I, I mean, know exactly what you're talking about. It, the CISOs get turned off of that. I get turned off of that. You know, and I'm I've talked to other CISOs that are the same thing. It's like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. Um, you know, it's really interesting because CISOs are a very small group. You know, there's not a lot of us out there. And um we talk. In fact, I was I was on a CISO meeting a community group thing about about a year ago, and I really liked the guy who was putting it on. I thought it was a great event. Uh, it was a, a virtual event, and we get on I don't know once a quarter or whatever, and we'd we'd sit and we'd talk about different things. But we all know that there's different kinds of CISOs. You know, there's the strategic CISO, there's the technical CISO, there's the we're now calling it the up and coming CISO, and uh, a lot of the people on that call were technical CISOs or up-and-coming CISOs. And there was a handful of those strategic CISOs, but they had a very high position, a very great company. But they were they they didn't get into the same types of issues that we got into as a technical and upcoming CISO in terms of dealing with problems. Because they there was this one CISO, his staff just for incident response was like 40 people. Um, and he had probably had 150 people total that worked under him. That's a very different conversation. You know, when you have that level of, of CISOs talking, that's very different than when you have, you know, and I'll admit it, you know, people like me or up and coming CISOs that are discussing these things from a much more tactile point of view from a, uh, instead of a strategic point of view. So I had made that comment to the organizer. I was like, listen, I, I appreciate the conversations, but this is so high level. It doesn't really help us because several of the CISOs and I kind of got together and we were talking about it and, and I was like, well, I'll go, I'll go tell him, you know, I don't, I don't mind, you know, telling him, giving him some feedback. So I went and told him as well as, as I, I appreciate it. I'm, I enjoy being on these calls, but I'm not getting any, I am not getting any value out of it. And I don't want to waste anybody's time. And he says, no, 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 we, we want you there because you ask questions and you do this and you do that. It's like, well, I don't like dead air. So I like to ask questions and keep the conversation going. But there's a lot of stuff in that particular that doesn't pertain to me and it doesn't pertain to a lot of the CISOs here. They're just not getting any value out of it. Um, and uh, so about, a, I don't know, three or four months later, 
Um, I was talking to another CISA. He goes, yeah, I, uh, I, I just kind of dropped it. It didn't affect me. You know, the stuff that they were talking about doesn't affect, you know, what I do. And it wasn't useful to me anymore. So when we're talking about these executive forums, when we're talking about these CISO community groups, you know, these, these whiskey tastings and these, you know, all these different things are trying to get CISOs together and talk. You know, I, I encourage people to understand that there are different kinds of CISOs. And, you know, it's always good to gather them together and talk about things and engage, but also know that they have very specific functions that they fulfill. And sometimes there's no crossover because the organization doesn't allow it, the culture doesn't allow it, do whatever. There is still problems to solve. And I may look at, you know, another organization, CISO, and they have solved the problem a certain way. And I was like, I wish I could do that. I can't. There's just no way I can do that. There's just, you know, we don't have the resources. We don't have the people. And the one thing I don't like is, when that person looks at all the other CISOs and they say, well, that's all you have to do. Just do this thing and this thing and this thing. And we're like, we would love to, we would love to, we would love to have those resources to be able to do that. Um, so we kind of laugh it off and we, it's just kind of a, it's a fun thing to think about, but I know a lot of CISOs, they get turned off of that. You know, they just like, you know what I'm, I, it, and that's what I really hate is, we have such a small community of IT security professionals, IT security and privacy professionals. When we have people that feel isolated because no one, they don't feel like people understand what they're going through, then they don't come to events. They don't come to ISSA meetings. They don't come to uh, to, to the conferences. They don't come to those things because they, they feel like no one's listening to them. No one's engaging what they're having to run into. They're it's hard. You know, I, I, Kim, I love the stuff that you guys do. You guys do wonderful events. I don't know how you do it and try to get all those CISOs there and try to get everyone together and engage. That's a hard job. And you guys are great at it. Um, I've always been impressed with your guys' events. Well, I appreciate that. And I have a great team and without my team, it wouldn't be possible. And, you know, we, um, there's still a ton of virtual people, you know, we're doing our yeah. events in a hybrid mode and, you know, we're, we have 150 to 200 people that are still watching virtually. And yep. those are the people I I've talked a handful of them, only a handful into coming live. And they come up to me and they're like, thank you so much yeah. for talking me into coming. I am so glad I'm here. I wasn't going to come because it's still easier to stay at home, yeah. you know, yep. but um, I do want to, to uh, make sure I, uh, read Trent's email, uh, his message. He said, as you say, all of this, it, I like vendors, but the first five minutes is a stump chomp. If the uh, salesperson can't explain how they're different, uh, how their product's different, he'll walk away. I guess yeah. it's like dating, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, you, you've got a few minutes to make an impression. And if, if you don't do it and I'm a, I'm a hardcore, like when I got out of the military, my first sales job was I was selling encyclopedias. I, that's wow. really aging me door to door. And then I got into <laughs> telecom door to door trying to have companies, you know, yeah, change yeah. their telecom from MCI, th those kind of days, people, but there's young people that don't even know what MCI is, but right. trying to get them to switch from Sprint <laughs> or MCI. And um, I don't know how I did it and how I sold, I sold a lot, but again, it's all about relationships and yeah, yeah. just being nice and, you know, <clears throat> either people are going to like you or they're not. And, you know, I, I would say that that's also another thing that, I don't want to be seen as a CISO. I want to be seen as Jonathan. You know, I want people to come up to me 
Um, it tickles me to anything when they say, hey, you know what? I saw you at this other conference and you were talking about this thing because it's they're not just seeing me as that possible sale or that possible, you know, they see me as a person and that I've done my things, you know, in terms of the, the industry and in the presentations. So that's the other thing that I would say is when people are engaging, um, make sure you're, 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 you're seeing them as a person, not just a typical sale. And I think that makes a huge difference in when I feel that when I'm on the vendor floor and I feel that uh, it's very different, you know, and it feels, it feels like I want to spend more time talking with that, that person. And we keep saying, and and I, I feel bad saying it now because I keep saying vendors and salespeople, um, and I don't want to be seen as a CISO, and I'm sure they don't want to see be seen as a salesperson or as a vendor. Um, so, I mean, I, there's that balance on both sides. You know, there are people I like to go to the vendor floor to see as people. Um, I see them at every show. Um, I, I have gone to lunch with them. I have, you know, maybe I've used their products. I've done, you know, all this. I like going and just standing and talking to them, you know, to, to catch up with them and things. So I, I don't want to be a hypocrite and just, you know, keep saying that I don't want to be seen as a CISO. I want to be seen as Jonathan. I, I guess I don't want to see them as a salesperson. I want to see them as, you know, I don't want to say any names on, on the air, but, you know, I want them as a person, as, a, as an individual. And I want to build that relationship with them. And I want to build that relationship before I buy products or I recommend products. If I don't have a relationship with them as people and their engineers as people, I'm not going to recommend them. And it's, you know, there's a couple of vendors that are amazing. Like they walk away from my show. They're like, that is the best show ever. They are the ones just yesterday. I had two vendors that got rid of the table, got rid of the six foot table. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't want to sit behind the table. They stand right in front of their banner and they're personable. They were so busy. They had the best show ever. And then you'll have somebody that I'll get a comment from marketing. My rep said it was a terrible show. Well, your rep was, I can't say this, but your rep was on their laptop the whole time behind their table with their head down, not engaging at all. So it's not about our shows. It's about your, the representation you're sending to the shows, you know, I'll I'll tell you this story because this is kind of funny. So the very first, well, it was second, but the first Harley Davidson I ever bought, this was 20 years ago. Now, um, I, I went in and going and buying a vehicle can be very stressful for a lot of people. It is for me. And I know the salespeople are like, they, they just, sometimes they just hammer you. I went into the dealership, to a dealership here and you know, where I lived at the time. And no salesperson came up to me at all. I went and got, you know, was looking at the bike and was looking around. There were salespeople all around, but they were not, you know, they weren't helping me. They weren't. I sat on the bike, nothing. I was like, okay, well, this is weird. So I had emailed the, 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 the sales, the, the group, you know, before I went to say, Hey, do you have this bike in stock and whatever? Well, I went by and checked it out. They did. I wanted to buy it. I had the cash. I couldn't get anybody to help me. So I got back home. I saw in my email that the, one of the guys responded. And I, re- I replied back and said, hey, listen, I tried. I came in. I had cash. I was going to buy the bike, but no one helped me. And then, of course, he jumped. And he was like, hey, no, 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 come back. You know, I will set up a time with you. You know, I would love to get your business. 
okay, fine. You know, sometimes it's just a bad day. Uh, it's like, listen, I don't want to set up a time. You know, I'll, at some point I'll just come back by. So I don't know, three or four or five days later, I went back by and same exact thing happened. And it's like, okay, this is crazy. Um, and so I left. I went to another dealership across town. I walked in. The guy immediately met me at the door, shook my hand, asked me how my day was going, asked if there was anything that he could do. Um, and, of course, my normal response is, no, 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 I'm just looking. He goes, okay, no problem. I'm going to go be over there. If you need anything, just wave your hand. Okay. So I mosey on around the bikes. I found the one I wanted. I liked it. Um, I literally looked at him. I raised my hand. He hightailed it over to me. I bought the bike. And those sorts of things, you know, when you're interacting with salespeople and you're interacting, it, it, it's hard. Sales is hard. Don't get me wrong. But when you are wanting to have an experience with someone and they're sitting behind that table on their laptop, not paying attention or not talking with you or someone is, you know, I, I've had it to where people will walk up to, you know, beside me wanting to talk to the vendor while I'm talking to them. If they don't turn and engage with them, they'll walk away. And I, I feel that myself sometimes. And so I always try when they walk up and it's like, hey, you know, how are you? Are you having a good show? Whatever. And uh, that, that experience will affect people. And it will, if you do it young, it's going, to have, it's going to be very much a thing that they remember from that point forward, you know, on through the experiences. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And there's definitely, like I said, there's, there's some great salespeople out there. And there's a couple, you know, we're, we're down to about three minutes left. But like I've been wanting to go into sleep number for years, but I heard it's a nightmare. They're like those salespeople. Yeah. And I really want a sleep number, but I'm afraid. I don't want to yeah. go in there. It's like yeah. going on the vendor floor. So yeah. I just keep staying with my same mattress, you know, because I've heard yeah. horror stories about sleep numbers. So right. yeah, that, that high pressure sales is just, you know, but then again, on the opposite side, you know, where's the happy medium, yep. you know, they're, they're, the, the best things are going to be that person that you yeah. bought that motorcycle for. Oh yeah. Great yeah. experience. But we kind of totally, we're down to <laughs> two minutes, you know, we totally got <laughs> off track of what, what, what the focus of the show was, but I think it was great content because it's really the, you know, getting your perspective from a CISO. But if there's um, any last minute thoughts or any, you know, comments of um, what you, what you can reflect over to our viewers, um, we have about two minutes. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I've been saying this a lot lately, you know, what, what I've really enjoyed about this new job is helping people. Um, I get to go into organizations that need help and, and help them and help them build a security program. And I'm starting to see this more and more being in the role that I am and the organization that I am and the vendors and the partners that we deal with, uh, because it really does feel like now that I'm kind of on the inside People do want to help people. They want, yes, we got to make money. We've got to, you know, pay the bills and whatever. But there are so many things that I have seen that has just been about helping an organization or helping people. It, it really feels good. I am so thankful I got into this industry and I kind of fell into it. And, you know, the people, people like you, people like your team, people at the vendors that we interact with, the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, it's, this is, this is a great industry and we, we've got some really good people doing some good things. 
Well, Jonathan Kimmett, he's the new CISO over at um, Alias InfoSec. Thanks for being here. You can catch Jonathan. He's done a lot of our uh, shows. You could go catch some of our past shows um, at Voice America. At You just go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and look for Ant Security for All. You can catch any of our past shows. He's awesome. He he is a guest host from time to time for, for me when I'm traveling. So thank you so much for Jonathan for Jonathan and all he does and supporting FutureCon and our events. So that is another episode of Ant Security for All. Thank you all for tuning in today. I hope you all have a great weekend. Stay safe and stay secure and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into Ant Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com. Or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.